Hey, welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us both online and here in the building. Would you stand up? We're going to sing to the Lord. Lift our voice and proclaim His goodness together. Come on, sing.
Lord, we love you, and, and we're thankful that we can sing songs about opening up your gates and, and let your glory come down. God, we invite your spirit to be with us this morning, Lord. Thank you for just all the different 
people here and joining us online and, and those who will watch us later, God, we give you thanks in the precious name of Christ. Amen. Good morning, folks. You guys can have a seat. It's good to be with you here online and in person. I got a few things to keep your calendar fresh, right? Because you got to keep that calendar updated. How many of you have a physical calendar? Anybody have like a physical, like you write on it? God, I love you. That's great. That's fantastic. I have to write things down. So I'm 33, but I'm, I'm you know, I can't do the digital thing yet. But one of the things I want to share with you is we had our kickoff last Wednesday. We had kids and students, and then we had men's and women's Bible studies that kicked off, and it was great. Um, we had a great turnout, and, and, and I just want to remind you that we're back on this coming Wednesday. And uh, I just want to share with you some of the adult studies that are, are happening. So Chuck Green is teaching our men's group, and they're doing a series called uh, Living Honorably in Turbulent Times. If you don't know, we are in the middle of a pandemic. So turbulent times and how to live honorably, so anchoring in the word and getting wisdom from him, and so check that group out. Um, And then ladies, uh, doing a series called Keep It Shut, anchoring in the Bible, what to say, how to say it, and when to say nothing at all. Uh, So we all, you know, can benefit from that. So ladies, that's for you. And you don't have the RSVP, just come, 630, just join, just join. There'll be signs kind of directing you where where to go. So even if you've never been to Wednesday night, just come on up. It's, It's a great opportunity to connect during the week. I know that our routines are crazy and people are like looking for stuff to do. So let Wednesday night be one of those things that you do. It's a great opportunity during the week. And then also we have our drive-in movie. So we're showing Mary Poppins Returns. And that's going to be this Friday, September 18th, 6.30 concessions till 7.30. And then right around 7.30 uh, at dusk, we're going to show the movie on our 30-foot blow-up screen. So it's, I still, I still. Man, for all those years that I was a youth pastor, and I'm like thinking Ken too, I'm like, why, why didn't we figure this stuff out? Like a blow-up movie screen? Like this thing is so cool. So please come check it out. Uh, RSVP on our website. Just let us know you're coming, and, uh, and we'll look forward to seeing you. I want to share with us this verse from Proverbs as we kind of move to a giving moment. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce, and then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. You know, God has given us so much, and he has blessed us out of his riches. And so the least we can do is, is give him you know, the first fruits, right? The, the, the give, give, give to him up on top of our, what, what our increase is. And so as we give, let's, just, let's give and know that God's growing us in this time. So, so much to be thankful for and so much, <clears throat> so much to be um, just mindful of as we give. So you can give online through the mail or there's little boxes on the wall in the auditorium or in the lobby. So thank you guys for giving. And for those of you who have already given online, we just thank God for you and praise and really excited to be on mission with you. Let's pray as we continue on. God, we, uh, we love you. Uh, we thank you for your word that we have uh, an anchor, uh, Lord. And we also just think about, Lord, what we're coming in with, um, the concerns on our hearts. God, maybe we've had a lot of wins this week. We've had a lot of excitement. God, we've had, we, we know we're in, some of us are in school. We have our children are in school and, and every day seems to be different and every week looks different. Um, God, with our government, with our culture, uh, everything is just, is like shifting sand. It's just changing all the time. God, thank you that uh, your word says, Jesus, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We praise you, God. You are the rock of our salvation, Lord. We love you. Thank you for rescuing us through your son, Christ. And we just worship him in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so as, uh, as I was reading through Genesis, preparing for the song that we're going to sing next this week, um, in Genesis, it talks about the imposition of ashes or, or dust um, being a symbol of sorrow and death. And in Genesis, it says, 
you are dust and to dust you'll return. And so that kind of struck me that um, it's, it's telling us right there we're dead. We're dead in sin. And there's a line in this song that um, says, you bring beauty from ashes. And, and that's Jesus working us. That's, that's Jesus doing this. Jesus' death on the cross. And so I want to sing that truth together with you and proclaim that now. Search the world, but it couldn't fill me. A man's empty praise and treasures of fame are never enough. Then you came along and put me back together. Now satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better.
What a blessing. Amen? Children are a heritage from the Lord. We thank God for these families raising their children today, and we just uh, bless his name this morning. So um, as we continue on today, we're, we're, uh, we're going to kick off our fall here. You know, fall is that time of year whenever people are relooking, and, you know, your kids are going back to school, but they're kind of not going back to school, right? So some kids are in school. Some kids are in their bedroom on a computer right now. And uh, we, we have all kind of different things that are happening, but I wanted to kick off the church year. And this, as we start this fresh season, I want us to be focused in on what's really important. And the Last Supper, communion, the Lord's table is what is really important. So today, uh, when you came in, you should have received one of these uh, prepackaged communion. If you did not, we will, we will hand them out to you later on in the service. But um, we just wanted to do, I know this is so different. We're not going to be passing anything down the aisle anymore. Uh, but nothing can stop us from celebrating what God has told us to do. Amen? Nothing will stop us. And so as we, we have this great opportunity to do this today, um, we're going to stop and we're going to actually look at the Lord's table. What does it mean? Why did he ask us to do this? There, there's just so much to this. And, you know, many times people do things in church and they don't know why they do them. We sing songs. Well, why do we do that? We're here to praise the Lord. Well, why do we have a sermon every week? Uh, you know, there's very few things that God asked us to do. This is one of them. Like, he didn't say get together and sing songs. And he tells us to praise him. That's all over the Bible. But Jesus, his mandate was, do this in remembrance of me. And so we're going to talk about that today. Like, like the, these are some of the most important things that we have to deal with. And so a, as we do this, uh, we're going to celebrate the Lord together today. But I want to remind you, you know, what is it all about? Look here at this picture here. Uh, 9-11, and on Friday was the 19th anniversary of 9-11, and, uh, and when you look at that, it just brings back a flood of memories. I remember watching the, the media over and over and over and just watching the planes hit the buildings, and somebody, uh, you know, on 9-11, this is the word that comes back to our remembrance here, never forget. We will never forget what happened on 9-11, and some of you, I, I realize in, in this room, weren't even born yet. Uh, others were in kindergarten or third grade, and others were, like myself, raising a kindergartner, and others were grandparents already at that point. But every one of us that were alive, we remember where we were. I remember I got a phone call on 9-11, and a good friend of mine said, hey, you were up the World Trade Center this summer. I said, yeah, I was. They said, a plane just hit the World Trade Center. And you know what I thought it was? I thought it was like a, a little plane that takes off from the Finleyville Airport, you know? Like a little, there's a guy in the church, Ron, Ron Klein, he has a little one of these, and he's talking me into getting into his little three-seater plane, right? And, uh, and so we're, I thought it was one of those that got off stray, and he goes, no, that's not what it is. It was an airliner went into there, and I was like, oh, my goodness. And at first I'm thinking, how could this happen? And, and then the second one, then we begin to realize what was happening, and and then, then we hear that there was a plane over our heads in our airspace right here in Finleyville. Shanksville is just, a, just about an hour away. So that plane went right over top of us likely and crashed in that field up in Shanksville. And I'll never forget, I was, I was uh, in my home at that time. It was a, uh, in the morning. And I'll never forget going down and wanting to get my kid out of school. And they would not let me get my kid out of school. 
Why? Because they said we're under lockdown. This is total security. And so those flood of memories come up. And so when you come to 9-11, you say, never forget. Those are the things I never forget. And I never forget how then on 9-12 our country was unified. I never forget how on 912, 913, 914, 915, and 1012, 1015, and for, for months there was a sense of unity in our country. We will never forget that. We'll never forget the victims. I watched a little bit of the Shanksville Memorial this week. Up in Shanksville, they had two large bells. They read the name, and then they would ring the bell. They rang the large bell, and then they rang a small bell. It was a very solemn moment, and then they would read the next name, ring the large bell, ring the small bell. And so as we did this, it's important for us to remember things. And as we come this morning to the Last Supper, I want to remind you that Jesus gave this to us so that we would never forget. So that whenever we take this together, we will never forget. We, we will never forget the total sacrifice. We will never forget what this is all about. So this morning, let's just jump into this today and see what, what Jesus was all about here. In Luke chapter uh, 22, verse 7, Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. This was uh, during Passover. And so Luke is giving you, remember Luke's a doctor. He keeps giving you little things so that helps you see the validity of it. Everybody knew about Passover. Remember you just had Palm Sunday as we know Palm Sunday. It was during Passover. So it was during Passover here when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. When Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it, they asked him. Jesus replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. So follow him. And and you say, well, why would he just, you know, a guy carrying a pitcher of water? Wouldn't that be very common? No, it wasn't very common at all. It was more common for a woman to carry the water. Remember the woman at the well? She went down to, to draw the water. It was more common for the woman. And that was the, a woman's job of the day, if you will, okay? And so, that, so when Jesus said, go down and find a man who's carrying a pitcher of water, they were like, whoa. All right, so this will be easy to spot because not too many men are carrying water. And so as soon as, as, soon as you see this man carrying a pitcher of water, I want you to follow him. At the house that he answers, tell the owner. The teacher asked, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. This is where you should prepare our meal. They went off to the city, and they found everything just as Jesus had said, and they, were pre- and they prepared the Passover meal there. Uh, so, so there was a preparation. This was a normal gathering, like Jesus was about to do something that was going to rock their world, it was going to be totally different, but for the disciples, they're saying, okay, we're going to have the, the Passover meal. Everybody was preparing for their Passover. Uh, the, his disciples are saying, where do you want us to go? All right, go down here, and when you, see, when you see the guy with the water, they thought it was probably a little bit strange, but yeah, they've been with Jesus. They saw him turn water to wine. They saw him do crazier things, so this was uh, what they were going to do. They were just going to end up following Jesus here. So they go in, and they do it, and then they get up there, and it's time now for the Passover, uh, for, for their Passover meal, so check this out here. When the hour came, he reclined at the table, and the apostles with him. You know, we always think of the Passover, uh, the, the Last Supper. We're all at this long table, and uh, it's like this, you know, kind of like you at Thanksgiving, right? We're all ha- hanging out here. 
it was, it was actually a lower table, they say. Likely in that culture, it was a lower table to the ground. And they reclined. It says he reclined at the table. He'd be kind of like laying on the table a little bit, kind of reclining onto the person next to you. In the culture, this was a very communal, family type of thing. When you got together and you were, you were worshiping at this meal um, and meals like this, they would very commonly be reclining on each other. So here they are. He's reclining, and the apostles, so his disciples are with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And that's the key word here because they had never heard Jesus say, before I suffer, I want to have this Passover meal. Jesus comes to them now. He says, it's time for Passover. Yeah, they know it. They, they're thinking, yeah, this is really great. We, we just had this great things are happening, and, and so we're going to have the Passover. And, and at the Passover, there were, there were many things, many items on the table. And so it was, they have many fond memories of worship, and, and just they would do it every year. It's kind of like we have Christmas. We have Easter. There are things that your Christmas and Easter celebration that you look forward to. They would look forward to the Passover meal. So he says, I want to do this, have this Passover meal with you before I suffer. But I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He says, I will not eat this. Like, like this, is, this is it. Then it's not going to happen until I am fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So the disciples are taking this in. What are you talking about? Verse 17, and he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. Now, at the Passover meal, there were many items, and uh, they would have a cup of wine, and they would take, and, the, and, and there was actually four times throughout the Passover meal, they would take this up, and, and they would have a formal saying with it. So Jesus takes it up, and this is one of the times, and he takes it up, and he says, now divide this among yourselves, and, and basically says, hey, we're going to have a Passover meal together. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He says, I'm not going to drink of the fruit of this vine until the kingdom of God comes. And, and I've often read over that verse. I'm like, what's he talking about? Okay, this is the Last Supper. Now, that's why we know it as the Last Supper, because it's the Last Supper before he goes to the cross. He's going to die in the next day or so. And, and you're just like, whoa, wait a minute. This is, this is overwhelming. And, and I've always stopped there and said that that is where the Last Supper is, and that's why we call it the Last Supper. Well, it's really the Last Supper because of this verse here. He says, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And so what is he talking about? Over in the book of Revelation, uh, the, the, God had given a vision of the end times, of the things to come, to, uh, to, to John. And this is what he says in there. He says, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. He says, blessed are those who are invited to that supper. This is the supper he's saying. The next time I'm going to drink of the fruit of the vine is going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So in other words, they're, they're, I'm going to pay the price. They're, they don't know this yet because they don't know about the cross. They're having communion before the cross. Actually, it's Passover. They don't know that we would call this communion. They are not saying, hey, it's time for the last supper. They knew it was the Last Supper. They would have been scared to death. And so Jesus is telling them, he says, listen, there's something else that's coming down the road. And so what was happening here was that Jesus was about to reinterpret the, uh, the, the Passover. 
Because at the Passover, there would be many times that they would take up and they would explain some of the elements. So look at Jesus' reinterpretation here. Verse 19, and he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus takes the bread, and imagine it, it's, it's a matzo bread. It was part of the, the items there, and, and there, there would be herbs. There would be some bitter herbs, and the bitter herbs would go back and remind them of the suffering that they had. The, the whole meal of Passover, why did they celebrate Passover? Well, Egypt, uh, uh, they had lived in Egypt. The nation of Israel had lived in Egypt for actually 400 years as slaves, the Jewish people. So they were slaves for 400 years. And God says, he goes, remember he sends Moses, let my people go. Goes up to Pharaoh, let my people go. And so uh, Pharaoh was persistent. He wasn't going to let his people go. He keeps dealing with it. I'm not going to let those people go. So God sends plague after plague after plague. You remember the locust. Uh, you, you remember the, the river turning red as blood, turning like blood. Uh, and then God says, listen, here, here's what's going to happen. This is the last plague. It's the death angel. He says, if you'll take the blood of a lamb, of a spotless lamb, it had to be a young spotless lamb, take this blood and put it over the doorpost, over the threshold and on the sides of the doorpost. He says, if you'll do that, when you do that, you are protecting yourself and the death angel will pass over your house. So to this day, Jewish people celebrate the Passover because God said, I want you to never, ever forget what I have done. So they're celebrating, they're remembering that God released them out of this slavery. And so the death angel, they passed over their houses and God was with them. I want you to understand this because when Jesus took that piece of bread and, and did that, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like me going home and having a turkey sandwich, you know? You know, could you imagine me at dinner table? Hey, kids, now look at this. That's not what was happening. What would normally be done is at the Passover meal, whenever they opened the matzah and they broke it, here's what would normally be read. The bread was lifted up at Passover. That the head of the meal uh, would say this. This is the bread of affliction which our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. Let everyone who hungers come and eat. Let everyone who is needy come and eat the Passover meal. So Jesus stands up and he doesn't say that. That is what normally said. Remember the affliction. God says, I want you now to remember the broken body. And the body hadn't been broken yet. He says, I want you to remember... This is my body. And when he says that, this is my body, by the way, many people have a, a lot of interesting thoughts on that. I have uh, read about some, some of the, some, of, some scholars of old actually thought that, that that became the body. Like when you had communion, it became literally his body. As we read this and understand the passage, we believe that Jesus was saying, see that piece of bread? I want you to worship me like this. This is my body. In the same way that he did when they broke the matzah bread. The matzah bread was not truly affliction. It was resembling of the affliction. God was coming and he was now saying, let me teach you the new meaning. This is my body. This is given for you. The Passover had created a new nation. 
These were just, they were just Jewish people that, that were under 400 years of oppression. God releases them, and, and through the Passover, they are now the nation of Israel. That was their distinctive. They got together, and they celebrated the Passover year after year after year. And so today, when God has the new meaning for the Passover, he says, this is my body, and we celebrate it. We get around that, and we say, this was the broken body. You know what that was? God created a new people. We are his people. We're united in his sacrifice. Look what he continues to say here. He says, and likewise the cup. After they had eaten, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. This is the new covenant in my blood? Like, like what's he talking about here? They were, they, there was, there, there's so much symbolism at the, at the Passover meal, but that wasn't the symbolism that they had ever heard. And so Jesus says, here it is. Listen, there's a new covenant. is my blood which is shed for you. And so they're sitting there. They, they're not catching what is about to rock their world. And, and then, you know, when you, when you think about this, blood was involved in the Old Testament. They would quite often, they would come and they would sacrifice. God told them to sacrifice a lamb, to go sacrifice a lamb annually. So as they would come and they would sacrifice that lamb, be, uh, there would be blood involved with that sacrifice. When, when God gave the Ten Commandments, okay, God gave laws. If you go read, in, read Exodus chapter 20, chapter 21, 22... 23 and into 24, you will find all kind of laws. Now, you know the top 10. We call them the 10 commandments, right? I call them the top 10 because there were literally hundreds of laws that God gave his people. And God gave these laws so that, so that we could understand that we cannot keep the law. There's no way. In, in our world, we struggle to keep 10 we can't keep the top 10. How could I keep everything in those passages? And if you go back and read it, here's what is so interesting that happened. He went back there, and, and he, he had the law, and he read this to the people. And the people said, yes, we agree. We are the people of God. We will do what he has said. And then Moses says, okay, this is a covenant between God and his people. And look what Moses did. This is thousands of years before Jesus is having this Passover meal. Moses took the blood from their sacrifice, and he threw it on the people. He had just got done reading. They said, yes, we will do this. He throws the blood on the people, and he said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with what you just said, with all these words. And so he's throwing the blood on the people. And so when Jesus comes and he takes the cup, it's the blood, the covenant the new covenant, the new arrangement between God and man, and it's no longer the blood of a lamb, it's the blood of the lamb. It is his blood that would be shed. And so he says, take this and drink this. And it was just the wine at the table. So today as we celebrate, we're going to have this juice in just a little bit, and you're going to look at that, and you're going to think, and you're going to thank God for the blood that was shed for you. And so I want to encourage you today to, uh, as we move to this in just a few moments, to, to, when we come to this, it is about remembering and never forgetting the sacrifice that was paid for you. But there are benefits to the covenant. 
And what are the benefits to this new covenant? Jesus said there's a new covenant. You don't have to go back to the Ten Commandments. You don't have to go back to Genesis 21 and 22 and obey all those laws. He says, listen, you can't obey all those laws. The new covenant is between God and man, and here it is. It's in my blood. Number one, I want you to read this with me out loud. This is the number one. I'm going to give you three, three benefits today. There are many benefits, but let me give you this first one. Read it out loud with me. I am forgiven 100% for all my sin. You have been forgiven 100% for all your sin if you've just simply trusted Christ as your Savior. It was because of his death on the cross. You know, whenever I was with a family recently, and they had lost a loved one, and, uh, and they, were, they were looking for something. They needed paperwork for their death benefit. They were looking for the paperwork for an insurance policy, and they were frantically searching this house looking for what is rightfully theirs. It's the death benefit. And I want you to catch this because with the, with the death of Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, there's a death benefit to you and to me. And number one is that all my sins, I am 100% forgiven. Check out Colossians 2.14. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. He canceled the record of the charges against me. He nailed it to the cross. I want you to think about the charges that are against you, that are, that are against me. And I want you to think about this because if, if my sin separates me from God. One sin is all it takes, and I've had infraction against the holy God. And if I only sin three times a day, that's probably pretty good, correct? And I want you just to add this up. Just do some simple math with me this morning. I'm 52 years old. And if I have sinned three times a day, and I'm just going to do the rounding of the math. Three times a day, over a year, conservatively, that's a thousand sins a year. My record is a thousand sins a year. And so now I come up before God, and, and I won't even count the first two years. Because those were just automatic sins, right? I won't even count the first two years. So, so let's say from the time I was three on, and now I'm looking at this, I'm saying, all right, all my sin, I would have to give God 50,000 sins. Could you imagine going over to the magistrate here in Peters Township with 50,000 speeding tickets? I've been over there for one. I'll never forget, it's Christmas Eve. I'm getting pulled over in front of my house. Santa Claus goes to jail. My little kids are looking out the windows. Mommy, Daddy, the policeman. And my wife's like, I can't believe you did that. All I did was run a stop sign. All I did, listen to me, right? That's it. I just didn't stop at the stop sign. I went over and I appealed that after Christmas, and I'll never forget that. The man looked at me and he goes, he says, uh, he says, consider this your Christmas gift. Because he asked me, he says, are you guilty? And I said, yes. He goes, oh, yeah, you are. Consider this your Christmas gift. Now, imagine if I would have not dealt with that. I'd go over there with 10 of those. If I had 50,000 of those, they'd be coming to my house. They wouldn't wait for me. They would come and they would find me. 
And, and I want you to catch this because it says that he canceled. This is what God did. He canceled the record of charges against us. There's a debt that I owe towards God. Imagine you go home after church today and you get a phone call this afternoon. Hello, Mr. So-and-so. Hello, Mrs. So-and-so. Uh, this, this is so-and-so. And, -so, and we, we'd just like to let you know that, that all of your debt has been paid. What would you do? You got some student loans out there still? You'd be jumping up and down. Got, got some mortgage payments. Mortgage gone. Car payments gone. Credit cards gone. Every bill you've ever had gone. You'd be screaming up and down the streets. You'd, be, you'd, you'd call the news media and, hey, I want you to come. I want you to talk to me. I want you to find out. Look, the record against me has been paid in full. I am set free. God has set me free indeed. And this is what Christ has done for you. He paid a debt that you could not pay. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of God's grace. In him we have redemption. That word redemption means to be set free. He says that you have been set free. In him we have been set free through his blood. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And according to the, to, to the grace of God, you know what the grace of God is? It says that basically it's a gift. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. And God says, I am going to give you the grace of God. I'm going to set you free. I have redeemed you. You are no longer going to have to pay the price. My son paid the price. Imagine you've been sentenced for doing a heinous crime. And as, uh, as, as it's time for you to serve, and the, the police are coming to pick you up, to take you to jail, somebody steps up and says, no, 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 no. I'm going to pay for his, for his crime. Let him go free. It just doesn't happen. But that's what Jesus did for your sin, for my sin. He let us go free. He paid the price. He gives us freedom. We've been set free. Romans 4.25. Jesus, he was handed over to die because of our sins. He was raised to life to make us right with God. He was handed over. This was no accident. The son of the most high living God God himself handed him over to die for your sin, for my sin. The, the second benefit today of this new covenant is this, is the healing power of Jesus in my life. Would you read that with me? The healing power of Jesus in my life. God wants to give you his healing power. And if you haven't noticed it, folks, everything is broken in our world today. Everything. Everything. Uh, our world is up, our world is down, it's sideways, it's flipped around, our health is up, our health is down, everything. And the greatest need that we have of all is to have this peace with God taken care of. You see, I cannot have peace with man, I cannot have peace with other people until I have peace with God. And as I come in and I have this peace with God, I need his healing power in my life. And why do I say healing power? Look over here at 1 Peter. Peter gives us, he's talking about suffering, and then he says, I want to remind you of what Jesus did. He says he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we could die to the grip of sin in our lives. Jesus took personally, he never sinned. He never once did anything wrong. He took your sin, he took my sin on, in his body, the scripture says, to the cross, and he nailed it to the cross. 
to die to the grip of sin in life so that we no longer are controlled by the power of sin in our life. He came and he set us free to live the right way. And then he says, by his wounds we are healed. By his wounds, the wounds of Jesus Christ have healed us. And you say, well, what is he talking about? Well, what Peter did here by that verse there, by his wounds you were healed, he was actually quoting what Isaiah had said 700 years earlier. Check out what Isaiah says uh, in Isaiah 53. But he was wounded. Let's read this together. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. Look at that. He was wounded. He was bruised. He was chastised. The the peace, the, the anger of God came down on the Son of God, and he took it and he paid for your sin once for all forever. And by his stripes, by his wounds, we have been healed You know, folks, there are so many things that need healed in our life. The number one thing is the the healing of our sin. And and Isaiah continued on here. Look what he said. He said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That's what sin is. We're, We're making our decisions independent of God. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God took my sin. He took your sin. And he laid it on Jesus Christ on the cross And Jesus paid for it once and for all. And so as we're thinking about this, I want you to catch this. By his wounds, we are healed. There's wounds that we have. What are some of the wounds that we have? Number one is spiritually. Number two is socially. Uh, Family, relationally. We have those wounds. And some of the deepest wounds are the wounds that you cannot see. There are family, relational wounds, and only God can heal them. Somebody else has inflicted pain on me. I need God to heal that. And he says, by his wounds, we are healed. That is how this thing works. It's by his wounds. We, are also, we also have physical healing. We have physical brokenness that we need. And look what Jesus did. When Jesus was here over in Matthew 9, Jesus traveled throughout all the towns and villages in that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the, king, about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. He healed every kind of disease and illness. So by his wounds, we are healed. Folks, let me just say this about healing, about physical healing. It is by his wounds that we are healed. Amen? So he has, he has provided healing for us. But not everybody who desires to be healed physically is healed physically. God chooses to heal some and others he doesn't. And the scripture is very clear. Job had the same questions. Job said, why does he do that? Why does he not? And God made it real clear. He says, listen, I will do what I have chosen to do. Why? Because he's God. But that healing comes because Jesus was broken. If you understand before the fall, sin is what makes our bodies decay. It's because of the sin that we are broken. And the question today is not when I will die, not if I will die, but when I will die. Did you catch that? It is not if I will die, but when I will die. When Jesus healed Lazarus, do you realize that Lazarus had to die again? Could you imagine that? Poor Lazarus, he had to die twice. I only want to do that once, you know? Could could you imagine, like, yeah, I was... 
I was looking at the streets of gold, and now I started to smell these bandages again. Uh, listen, he says he, he, he healed every kind of disease. And so even when Lazarus was raised, he had to die again. Jesus was the only one who died and was risen to life to never die again. Amen? And that is why we celebrate this. But I want to encourage you, it is by his wounds that we are healed. Had Jesus not died on the cross, we couldn't even see physical healing. And so today, some of you are praying, and, and you have some physical things. Your, your body's broken down. And, and listen, we all go through these broken things. It is God is the one who's in charge of all that, but it was through him that we see healing. And so God can restore relationships. He can restore your heart. He can deal with the brokenness of all many things. But we can trust him for eternal life. I can trust him to heal my relationships, and I can trust him that if my body doesn't get healed, I know I'm going to go to heaven a little quicker. Amen? Now, nobody likes to talk like that because whenever I'm sick, I'm not talking about dying. But that's the truth. And we come and we've got to understand he has given us something to look forward to. And so Jesus was able to do these things. The brokenness of our world is, is getting worse. Have you noticed it? I don't have to tell you that, do I? Look, at, look over here in Romans chapter 8, verse 23, uh, verse 22. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. We know that all creation has been groaning just like a woman in childbirth. Let me reinterpret that according to the KJB version. That's kind of the James Barner version. For we know that all creation has been screaming out of control as a woman does when she has a baby. I got to witness that twice. And I'll tell you. Let me give you a little replay. <laughs> give me the drug now. I'm sorry, honey. <laughs> but I had kidney stones. It was equally, equally as painful. <laughs> but I want you to catch this. All of creation screaming. Have you ever wondered about creation? Like, like, what does this mean? Like, all of creation. Do you realize the trees, all of creation? Have you noticed the weather patterns are pretty crazy lately? Like, we had 60 days of sun in Pittsburgh. <laughs> It's unheard of. Like, like out in California, it's 112, and in the state next to it, they're getting a foot of snow. Like, like, how does this happen? All of creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. And so, he, listen, he says that all creation has been groaning, and we continue on to this verse 23. We believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Last night, Bill Best was sitting down here on the front row. Bill Best is 82 years old. He told, me, he told me out there in the foyer, he says, there's an AED on the wall. He says, if he ever goes down in the foyer, please don't use it on me. I said, why? He goes, because I'm ready to go to heaven. I said, Bill, I don't agree with that, and if you go down, that's my decision, not yours. He said, uh, please don't do that, for he's groaning from the suffering. 
He's 82 years old, and he can hardly walk. He's got sciatica, and he comes in with a little cushion, and he sits down, and, and, and he doesn't complain, but the man's in extreme pain, and he's saying, oh, I am groaning. This body's broken down. But check this out. This is so cool. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Uh, we, too, wait for eager hope for the day when God will give us the full rights of his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. He's going to give us a new body one day, and that's what Bill Best is looking forward to. I've already put in a few orders for my body. My new body's going to have a full head of hair, man. I'm getting me some Goldilocks up there, you know? Not the Greylocks. I've already asked for an eight-pack. I'm going all the way. Um, And that body won't decay. There'll be no sciatica. There'll be no cancer. There'll be no leukemia. It'll be known of the aches and pains, and we will live forever. But right now, all creation groans. And when Jesus died on the cross, that's the death benefit. He rose again so that you might have eternal life. The last... The last thing I want to share with you today is that he gave you the power to break free from the control of sin. Would you read that with me? The power to break free from the control of sin. For we know, in verse, uh, Romans 6, 6, for we know that in our sinful selves we were crucified with Christ so that sin might, know, might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when, Christ died, uh, for when we died with Christ, we were set free with him from the power of sin. You know what? You didn't physically die with Christ. It's the same way he says, this is my blood, this is my body. He says, when you trusted Christ, you died with Christ. He paid the price for your sin, once for all, forever. And he has released you from the power of sin. Today, you may be saying, well, how do I get these benefits? How do I get eternal life? How do I get set free from sin, from the power of sin, from, the pre, uh, from, from just all this stuff that I have to deal with? How do I deal with it? Well, John 1, 12 says this, but as many as received him. Read this with me. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. He gave you the right to become his child. And so today I want to invite you to become the child of God. Because you know what? When you're the child of God, everything daddy owns is yours. And so I want to encourage you today to become a child of God. Before we go and, and we do communion and we, and we celebrate the Lord's table, the Last Supper, I want to ask you to become a child of God. And it takes much more than just believing. You know, the, de- the demons believe. The devil believes, but he didn't receive. I want you to take it from believing today to receiving and just say, God, I want to receive you, that you died on the cross, you paid for my sin, and Lord, I am reaching out to you, and it's going on beyond a head faith today. It's involving my heart, and I'm receiving you into my life. Let's bow in prayer. And with our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you're here and you've, uh, you've not trusted Christ, I'd like to invite you to trust Jesus. Would you call on him and say, I'm here today. I want to receive you. If you're online and you want to receive Christ, would you just pray with me? Just pray something like this to God. Dear God, I believe, but today I'm going to receive. 
You died on the cross and you paid for my sin. And oh God, I confess, I'm a sinner and I've done wrong things in your holy sight. You paid for my sin. You were buried and you rose again the third day for me. God, I invite you into my life right here, right now. Father, I pray you'll be with each one who's just opened their heart to receive you. And now, Lord, as we go to this moment of the Lord's table, I pray, God, that you would be honored, that you'll be adored, that you'll be glorified by the worship of your people. In your name we pray. Amen. This dark room in silence fuel imagination. Tonight the stars shine bright and spell my name.